So the ordination text, the message I have for Eric, will be from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 19. With this letter, Paul writes to Timothy, a man called to gospel ministry. And he's appointed or ordained by the church through the laying on of hands. That's where we got it from. We didn't make that up. You can, you can see that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 14. So while the immediate context of this passage is Paul's advice to Timothy as he deals with false teachers, the passage is very appropriate for ministers of the gospel in general. In the previous verse 11, Paul mentions that he has been entrusted by God with sound doctrine and the gospel. And this leads him to give thanks. So hear hear God's word, starting with verse 12. Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, Paul says. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. Praise God for His Word. So Eric, using that passage, I'm going to offer you a number of charges and encouragements. Number one, you are gifted and strengthened by Jesus. We get that from verse 12. I thank Him who has given me strength. Strength for what? Well, to do this work. And he's thanking Christ Jesus our Lord. The Holy Spirit personally endows those whom he calls to ministry. Beyond your natural talents and abilities, of which there are many, your work must be fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit in using those gifts that he has blessed you with. Number two, you are justified in your work by Jesus says, because he judged me faithful or trustworthy. By the mercy and grace of God, through faith in God, the Lord views the formerly ungodly to now be worthy of trust and valuable in his service. Number three, you are called by Jesus. Where it says, appointing me to his service, from verse 12. Our Lord's mercy places us in His service to His cause and His mission. With His call to each of our lives, He equips us to accomplish His work. Number four from verse 13, your potential is in Jesus. It says, formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had, past tense, 
acted ignorantly and unbelief. The kingdom of God is more interested in your future than in your past, in your potential than in your past. Where you've been in your past life is far less important than where God will take you in the future. The Holy Spirit repeatedly demonstrates what good can be accomplished by a life surrendered to Him, to His power and His will, regardless of our past. Number five, your message is from Jesus, from verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You know, as the whole scripture is about Jesus, who is the epitome of grace, faith, and love, consistently proclaim scripture's message of grace, faith, and love in Jesus. And if you do that, your preaching will be blessed by God, and it will flourish and help transform lives. Number six, your mission is from Jesus from verse 15. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Your mission needs to match God's message. The church's purpose, as well as Christ's goal for your own ministry, is to save the lost. Therefore, preach the word. Call for a response. This is soul winning and heaven has no other priority. Then build new believers into disciples of Jesus Christ. And finally, number seven, your example is for Jesus from verse 16. But I received mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in Him for eternal life. Again, beyond eloquence, beyond education, beyond personality, the world needs to see the Holy Spirit's impact on your daily life. The same Apostle Paul who wrote this letter says, follow my example. How? Not because he was any great thing. As I follow the example of Christ from 1 Corinthians 11.1. You will be successful in public ministry to the extent that you live your personal life following Jesus closely and inviting others to join you in that journey. So Christ has gifted you. He has judged you trustworthy. He has called you to serve Him. He has equipped you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given you a message of hope and a mission to proclaim that message of hope. Therefore, continually seek Him first and above all things, following His example. And of course, all for His glory, His honor, and His praise. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And then Paul gives a charge to Timothy from verses 18 and 19. He says, This charge I entrust to you, Eric, my brother, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, which is referring to your call to ministry, 
that by them, by your calling, you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. And then finally, Paul's doxology from verse 17. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Can we say an amen, church? Amen. Amen. So now, as we gather here this morning to celebrate the Lord's table, we are reminded that there would be no gospel ministry if there were no gospel. And there would be no gospel if there were no Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus established the Lord's table as a way for His people to remember the work that He did in securing our salvation. The work of Jesus can be summed up in one short verse, Luke 19.10, where it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus wasn't passive in His work. He was on a determined mission. Not only was Jesus determined to carry out His mission to save the lost through His death on the cross and resurrection three days later, Jesus was also determined to seek out the lost as part of that mission. And it's a mission that continues to this day. For the Son of Man continues to seek and to save the lost. Amen? It's true for me. And in my mind, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that term, a seeker-friendly church, unless the seeker they're referring to is Jesus Christ. I mean, doesn't Paul say in Romans 3.11, there is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God? But if that's the case, if that's the reality, if no one is capable of seeking after our God, then where is the hope? What are we to do? Well, our hope is in Jesus, who Himself came to seek and to save the lost. For example, one of my favorite parables, in Luke 15, we find the parable of the lost sheep. It's a story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, yet one of them is lost. And the parable of the lost sheep was told by Jesus when the Pharisees criticized Him for socializing with sinners. And this this story illustrates Jesus' rescue mission for sinners. Luke 15, verses 3-7. through Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Praise God for His Word. The parable begins with a straying sheep. And a sheep lost and apart from its shepherd is defenseless. And it's in terrible danger. 
And Jesus used any person apart from him as lost and in terrible danger. How is he lost? Well, his sins alienate him from God who is holy, leaving him helplessly groping about in darkness. As this passage from Isaiah suggests, Isaiah 59.9, So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. And how is the lost person in terrible danger? Well, the person is in danger of God's wrath due to his or her rebellion or unbelief. But the shepherd in the story, he doesn't despise his straying sheep. He doesn't ignore the one lost sheep. He seeks the lost one. With a heart of compassion, Jesus values each sinner the Father entrusts to Him. John 6.39, And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Jesus is intent on rescuing the sinner not only because the Father gave them to Him, but also because He loves them. And this love, this love of Jesus led Him to sacrifice His life on the cross to take His punishment for their sins, to endure God's wrath on His body. And the parable of the lost sheep also illustrates Christ's attitude toward the saved sinner. The parable gives no indication of the, of the shepherd ever rebuking or chastising. Instead, he hoists the sheep up on his shoulders and takes it home. And, and keep in mind, if this were an adult sheep, it could weigh anywhere from 110 to 125 pounds, and it would be no small effort to carry a sheep on his shoulders. But the joy over finding that one lost sheep overshadows any discomfort or pain. And in the same way, Jesus bore the immense weight of our sins upon the cross on His shoulders. Therefore, the Apostle Paul can write from 1 John, if we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. And as, as our high priest and mediator, Jesus continues to bear our cares and imperfections before God the Father. 1 Peter 2.24 He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins but live for righteousness. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And then the parable of the lost sheep offers an amazing glimpse into the heavenly realm. The shepherd calls his friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me. The rescue of the lost sheep was a cause of, for rejoicing and celebration. And, and this, this idea of rejoicing here is proclaiming, as in they wanted to spread the word. They wanted to shout it from the rooftops, so to speak. And in the same way, heaven 
rejoices when a sinner repents and is restored to fellowship with God. Well, why? Because a sinner has come home. And this news delights the very heart of heaven. And ever since the beginning, God has been the good shepherd who rescues his lost sheep. When Adam and Eve were hiding in shame because of their sin, what happened? Well, God sought them out. I mean, sure, he disciplined them, but God promised a rescuer. He promised a redeemer. And and until Christ's death for their sins, God forgave Adam and Eve by their faith and covered them with animal skins. And even now, God still reaches out for the lost to cover and recover them through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here to remember and celebrate this morning is our great salvation purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ who took the punishment that we deserved, paid the price that we couldn't possibly pay so that we might be saved and brought home again through faith in Him. So as the elements are distributed, you know, if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we ask that you let the elements pass you by. But we also ask you to consider your lost condition before the Lord. But also consider that Jesus is seeking you. He's seeking you even now. Calling you to faith and repentance and ready to receive you. Ready to rejoice along with heaven in your salvation. So would you hear His voice this morning? Would you be willing to be rescued? Or perhaps you're a follower of Jesus that has gone astray. Well, Jesus is ready to take your hand and walk with you and take you back into the fold. Praise God for that. Amen.